What's the matter? There's a monster outside my room. Can I have a glass of water? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Does It Hold Up? This time we're going back to the year 2002 for the movie Signs, directed by M. Night Shyamalan. As always, my name is Adam. And I'm Emily. And here we go. So, just to start out, let's take a look at the overall movie here. In Signs, we follow the Hess family. Graham, the father, Merrill, his brother, Bo, and Morgan, the ki- his kids... As they experience crop circles, weird things happening, and alien invasion, what's interesting is that we kind of just follow this one family the whole time. We don't, we see a little bit of what's happening around the world and with other people, but it's really focused on this one family, and that's kind of what I think M. Night Shyamalan wanted to do with this, was how would an alien invasion affect one singular family unit? Because everything else we've had before that is like, What's this city doing? What's this world doing? What's this state? What's everybody else doing? And it's so interesting to see it like narrowed and focused to just four people. That was actually one of my favorite parts of the movie was that it was just such a tight story of just this one family. And you really don't see that a lot, especially in alien films, because they want to see how does society just like fall apart with all of these things happening and it's just so localized on this one family trying to figure out is this actually aliens is it a hoax oh my god there's aliens what do we do so i actually enjoyed that a lot about this film absolutely so the family is graham the dad who's played by a wonderful mel gibson this was before any of the controversial stuff that came out years later about him Again, we don't get into that kind of stuff on this podcast. If you want to know about it, you can Google it. There's tons of stuff out there. But this was him kind of on the tail end of the peak of his career, coming off all the Lethal Weapon movies and The Patriot. But what was interesting for me is this was so against type for him. He always plays like the funny macho guy, the the smooth talker, the ladies man, you know, that kind of stuff, the badass, you mm-hmm. know. Here, he plays a disgruntled father, and when I say father, I actually mean like a priest who who ran a church. So he's a father to his kids, but he's also a former father to the church. And that's really weird to see him as, because he's so mild-mannered in this, and so much soft-spoken... I was expecting him to run around and want to, like, punch aliens and <laughs> blow stuff up and, and, and make one-line jokes. Mm-hmm. But here he was so reserved, and it was really nice to see from him. See, I had the opposite reaction of that. Not so much, like, it was a bad thing for him to be playing this character. I just thought he did it a little too wooden. He was just so stiff and so, like, unnatural the entire time that I just, I didn't connect with his character at all. I thought he was just not real. I thought he was real fake in this role. So I I don't know if, like, it was just a little too outside of his realm for me, but I I didn't connect. See, I did because his whole backstory of, like, losing his wife and turning from god being like i'm a man of god everything i'm about the church i'm about and then losing his wife and the struggle that he had to go through there and we get that all in the movie they 
tell us all about it. They show us the night that he had to say goodbye, and it's beautiful. But going through all that and turning away from God, I can only imagine what's going on in his head because it seems like that is a relatively recent affair. Yeah. It's not like it happened 20 years ago. This was... We're watching a man who has hit his lowest and is still trying to be the best man that he can be because he's got a family to raise. And I think he pulled it off so well. See, the character was interesting to me. Everything was displayed well. I just thought his performance was wooden. Oh, see, I... You might have been able to read more into it than I did. Maybe I did. I just think he portrayed all of that weakness and strength that you look for in a character like that. I think this might be one of my more favorite roles of his that he's done. Not mine. (laughs) But then, so, in, in the Hess household, we just talked about Graham Hess. So, with them in their barn or second house... Not real sure exactly yeah, what it is. Yeah, I think he's living upso- above the barn. Yeah, like above the garage barn area is his brother Merrill, played by Joaquin Phoenix, um, who is just, he's a brilliant actor. He's never really put a foot wrong when it comes to the acting world. He's kind of a weirdo in real life. He's done some weird things like fake quitting acting so that he could have a <laughs> rap career. But it really turned out that that was just to promote a movie that he might have not been in. Commitment. Super weird. Yeah, he went (laughs) all in on it. Um, But it doesn't matter about his personal life. He's a weirdo, but he's done nothing ever bad. But he's such a brilliant actor. And he's so young in this movie. And you can see where he would grow to when he does movies like The Joker or... You Were Never Really Here, which if you've never seen that movie, that movie's brilliant, definitely check it out. He would grow to become this just powerhouse force, and you can see glimpses of it here. See, I thought he was the shining light in this film. I absolutely adored his performance of a man, you know, losing his mind over what is happening. He was a total skeptic, and he then, you know, watches a few things, realizes, oh my god, this is real. And you just get to see his mind kind of break. And I thought Joaquin Phoenix did a magnificent job portraying that. It's not an easy thing to, to kind of go put yourself through mentally, so I can only imagine how he pulled it off. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. he was just, he kept me emotionally invested in this group. In yeah, his family. Absolutely. Um, he was great, and you got to see, you know, he's a former minor league baseball player who holds records for home run distances and most home runs and all this other stuff, and you could see how much pride he had in that, but he's also a very flawed character because as a baseball player, we find out later in the movie, he also had the most strikeouts of all time as well. And that bothers him so much. And you can see that, like, he has so much confidence, but also he has no understanding of what he's doing in life either. But and it's really... a great juxtaposition balance. And there was a line in it where he says, it just didn't feel right to not swing away. And that kind of shows his character 100%. because He either, goes all in. No matter what it is, he goes all in. Yeah, so, like, when these aliens start arriving... He kind of is a little weirded out at first, but he's not 100% sure he believes in it. But then as he's getting more information and more stuff's coming out, all of a sudden he's the one 
sitting in the closet with the TV, focusing on it and replaying it and trying to figure stuff out. Tinfoil hats, yep. everything. He goes <laughs> that 100% in. And Joaquin Phoenix just really puts his all into that role. And you can see that blossoming of what would become an Oscar-winning actor. Yeah, like I said, he was the main part that kept me invested in this story and what happens with this family. And then we have the son, Graham, Mel Gibson's character's son, Morgan Hess, who is played by Rory Culkin. And I know you'll all recognize that last name. It is the younger brother of both Kiernan Culkin and Macaulay Culkin, who you all know from Home Alone and everything. Um, And I actually think he was pretty good. I don't normally like child actors, but I like the way this kid came across in this movie. He was so, again, kind of soft-spoken, but very determined with his speech that he was very blunt and forthcoming, but it came across so weakened that you're like, huh, that's an interesting little thing. And then they had to ruin it by putting the whole, he has asthma, and he (laughs) doesn't even know how to use an inhaler. Because one of my biggest things, as somebody who is an asthmatic, who uses an inhaler frequently... In movies and TV shows and everything, anytime a character has asthma and they have to use an inhaler, it bothers me. They don't know how to use it. They'll literally puff and then just breathe out right away. And it's like, there goes all the medicine. Like, I don't understand. Plus, (laughs) you don't one puff at a time. You two puff. You should always two puff. Um, Trust me, guys. He was freaking out the entire time we were watching it because he's like, that's not how you do it. It's just it's (laughs) so frustrating. But I think Rory actually did a really good job. He added this weird sense to this kid who was the one in the family who's like immediately all in on the aliens he's kind of like mini Merrill, where it's like he slowly finds out more and more about them and goes a hundred percent full force into it see he also read wooden to me he was just a little too unnerving and so but i that's just that's what it was supposed to be yeah but he's also a kid so it's like yeah i Have guess you ever met kids Yes. They're unnerving. I've met tons of kids, They're and very most unnerving. of them are not unnerving no, like he was. They all unnerve me. They all <laughs> say things, and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, but then it's the way you say things, and the way he said things seemed a little too wooden. I, yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you're allowed to have that, obviously. Uh, I'm not really sure what more could be asked of that character i mean you have to portray a character the way that it's written the way it's it's called for and he added this strange sense to the movie i mean his whole delivery of lines of being the dog fell on me i mean dude you literally just killed this dog well he tried to attack my sister like so that adds the unnerving part but this is an alien Invasion. There has to be something unnerving. These are not happy-go-lucky families sure, you can be running around just and not just be monotone. <laughs> oh my god, I'm a kid. Uh, no, he's supposed to be unnerving. That that's kind of his whole character. So I know you don't get, you didn't like it, no. but <laughs> I I think you were wanting something that the movie wasn't presenting. I guess I just I thought it was a little too unnerving and a little too over the top on that. In that sense. Yeah. So, 
make it a little more human because halfway through I, I mean, was like, this was, kid though. must be the alien, right? I mean, he, he was 100% human. He was very worried the entire time. He was very protective over not his portray. family. He, he did portray the protection over the family, but I did but not was, see worried at all. But he went to the bookstore to buy a book on extraterrestrials. Yeah, that shows he interest. He listened to the radio. He was getting worried. He was planning things. He was trying to explain to everyone else what was actually happening. He was invested. Yeah, I call that interest, not necessarily worry. Uh, same. I mean, in a movie, it's the same thing. Then we have Bo Hess, who is making her big feature film debut, Abigail Breslin, who you'll know from Little Miss Sunshine um, in 2006, or if you're a little bit older of a crowd, you will recognize her from Zombieland 1 and 2. She was great. Um, you want to talk about unnerving... I know we've said we've said that movie that movie we've said that word quite a bit, but like that's kind of how I felt this entire movie. It's very it's an unnerving movie. But she was the most for me. Really? Yeah, like the way she spoke and the way she did things. You want to talk about that's not the way kids speak. Kids don't sip water that they're about to give their dog and go. It's contaminated. I can't drink it. What? I'm sorry, you're like three years old and you're using the word contaminated about uh, drinking water? And the fact that she drinks water but leaves half glasses all over because she has this weird, there's dust in that one. That is classic Graham, child. Graham drank out of that one. Somebody touched this rim. So This happened. This one tastes funny. That's strange. That's off-putting. That's strange, but the way it's presented in that character and the way she speaks is a lot more natural. Are you, As a child, you, yes, I, I have that around huge, children. She uses huge words like contaminated at three years old. That is not the way kids speak. So you have a problem with the way Graham speaks. Yes. Because... Delivery-wise. Sure, but you don't have a problem with her where she's so flat and so monotone and just uses these really odd structured sentences, but that's cool. Maybe it's because she's just so adorable. But I mean, yes, she is totally adorable, and I, I get it. I don't. I was not as unnerved by her. I know, yeah, she's using some more advanced words than she should. But for me, her performance was not as like super one note, and that could just be me. Like, <laughs> I, it's definitely just you. Um, because... Although I also said halfway through, I was like, oh, she's also an alien, because she doesn't like water. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just give away the surprise. Um, yeah, she was really weird, and I think she, out of all of the actors, and I get she's she's young, it's hard, you just kind of gotta go with whatever she's giving you, because at her age at the time, it's really hard to direct, but... She's the one to me that didn't fit in, that I didn't think really brought anything other than the fact that she was cute and she said some really weird, interesting things that were kind of like chuckle moments of like, oh my God, what is happening? (laughs) But other than that, I feel like she might be the one that didn't fit in for me. I know, I think you, I think it's Morgan for you. Yeah. For me, it's definitely Bo. Um, But, you know, for a big debut, she did a really good job. Oh yeah. I mean, clearly why she still is getting roles now. Yeah. Um, so let's start back at the beginning of the movie though. And it has a two minute opening credit sequence of just, here's black background with a big blue light in the middle and black text on it about everything for two minutes. I'm sorry, dear Hollywood, 
Please stop it. We do not need two minutes of opening credits before a movie. We're going to see the same credits at the end of the movie. Stop doing it. Yeah, that was just like, you need to skip those first two minutes to get into the film because it is so And James Newton Howard is a wonderful composer. He composed this movie, and we're going to talk about his music in a little bit. But his music was so loud and out of place over that opening credit sequence that it almost took me out of the movie before the movie actually started. Which is rather funny because, like, most of the movie was so devoid of music, in my mind, at least at the beginning, that it was just, like, so stark a comparison of these opening credits where it's loud and And maybe that was purposeful to, like, put you on edge and be like, what is happening? I don't like this. But that's the problem. I didn't like it. And if I don't like something... I immediately check out, and then you have to earn me back. You have to yeah. get me back into the movie, and that's kind of what this did. I did. I struggled a bit at the beginning where it was just noises in the world playing. For some reason, that but just see, had what's me lucky, off edge. What's lucky is, as bad as the opening credits were and how much they set me apart from the movie, the opening scene of the movie, the opening sequence of the movie is... Mel Gibson waking up in bed, and he walks through the hallway like any father would, kind of listening for noises. Nobody else seems to be awake yet. He picks up some socks, and then all of a sudden he hears his little girl scream. He hears Bo scream, and he freaks out, and he starts running around the house looking for her. Checks her room, checks the kitchen, checks everywhere. Then he runs outside. At the same time, Meryl in the barn house is waking up because he hears her scream. He falls out of bed. He runs outside. They meet each other. They're so confused. They hear the scream. They run into the cornfield, and the two, the little girl's just staring at something. You're not even sure what. They get close to her. Then you hear the boy Morgan say, "Dad, look," and they're they're standing in a crop circle at this point. But there's no music. There's no score at this moment. Really, it's all sound. It's all them shutting doors, running around, running through the corn stalks. And that, to me, is great. It built so much suspense in that opening that I was like, huh, I don't forgive you for the opening <laughs> credits being two minutes long, but you know what? I'm kind of back into this. If you keep this up, I'm this movie's going to take off for me. I highly appreciated that it went straight into the action. It didn't, like do too much of the world building before getting into the whole hey there's crop circles there's aliens here we go so it was just like straight into the action and no having to like waste my time yeah but did you like the whole idea of there being no no score that it was all sound motivated because there wasn't dialogue either until Graham and Meryl meet up outside and Meryl just asks what's going on there has been no dialogue in the first like three and a half minutes of the movie then there's that one line for, then there's no dialogue again for like another 40 seconds so you get in the first four minutes of the film basically you only get like one line of dialogue and it's all sound based oh it definitely put you on edge immediately it added to that whole almost suspense of like oh my god what's happening why is she screaming yeah and then from there, what's great is, since we're already talking about sound design, I think the rest of the movie had wonderful sound design as well. They really tried to emphasize sound as much as possible. And it's partly because the aliens don't speak. They speak in clicks, which is just a sound, basically. Mm-hmm. And so they emphasize so much sound. Like, 
Morgan carries around a baby monitor starting halfway through the movie because he's picking up some weird signal. And what's cool about that is the pops and clicks that the aliens make to talk to each other does sound a little like a noise you would get if a frequency was bad and you were kind of going in and out of frequency and you're getting these weird little pops and clicks. So it's almost like, wait, is that static on the radio or is that them? And it's a really great design. And that definitely adds to the whole uh, idea of is this real or is this fake that happens for majority of the film. So it's adding to that uneasy suspense of just, oh my God, is this real? Is that, am I hearing just, you know, noise or am I hearing these aliens? Which, by the way, were creepy sounding, like scary sounding in the way that they made those noises. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And just overall, just they use so much diegetic sound that it really helped amplify the atmosphere that this family was living in. They weren't adding in extra stuff. They weren't overriding sounds with music or with dialogue. Like, if sound was supposed to be important, it was very important. Like, you know, first fun fact of this movie is, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a wonderful motif that happens that a lot of people won't even recognize because they'll just drown it out because it's sound-based. And a lot of people drown sound out that they don't find important. But it's crickets. Obviously, crickets are loud if there's enough of them, and you hear them when everything's silent and still. But if you go towards crickets, what happens? They They shut up because they want to hide. Every time something strange is happening, you can hear. M. Night Shyamalan did a wonderful job of using crickets. Crickets, 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 crickets. Silent. You know the alien's about to show up. Something's about to go down. And it's something that I've seen this movie multiple times. And it's not something I noticed the first couple of times I've seen this movie. All of a sudden, just there it was. And I was like, wow, that's so good. Something you don't even notice because it's so simple, but so good. But honestly, I think it added a uh, almost subliminal message to you that something is going wrong. You may not notice it like actively, but it definitely was there in your mind, like, oh no, something's happening because you have that real life experience with these creatures of like, well, I'm close to it. Now it is quiet. So I think it added a bit to it mentally. Like, I did not know that fact. I did not hear that fact. I heard crickets mm-hmm. throughout the film, but you I did not put it together. You that- can hear the crickets throughout mm-hmm. the film, but you don't register in your mind that they stop when something's about to happen. But I can attest to this movie being so suspenseful and having those moments of unease that I wasn't even quite sure where it was coming from. And now that you say that, I'm like, that could totally be it. Like, oh my gosh. And it's great because you'll see in a lot of other movies, more modern movies or even some older movies too, they have a sound motif, but it's usually music based. Yeah. So it's like... Michael Myers, you know, gets the Halloween theme, or Jason gets the... Like, yeah, we get that, but that's music being played. M. Night Shyamalan using a real-life sound to portray that same emotion, I think is brilliant, because we can all relate to that, because that's real-world sounds. 
that we know and understand in our heads. Yeah. Um, then we have, you know, we continue going on, and one of the things I think worked really well for this movie was the pacing. Um, we get this very wonderful, suspenseful opening, and then we kind of get into the aliens slowly appearing, learning more about them, but we don't see aliens for the first, like, 40 minutes of the movie. It's just about this family, and it's a nice, deliberate pace, which is a very slow build. They don't give anything away. It's not like we get that super suspenseful opening, and then we cut to a picture of an alien, and then we cut back to disrupt everything. It's just following this family as if it's a normal life. And we get these these flashbacks to, you know, what happened to the mother of the family. And I, I think the pacing works really well because although it's slow and not a lot of stuff is going on, you still can get invested because it has this nice slow draw. Yeah, honestly, I'm not normally one for like a super slow movie like this movie was. But it definitely added to that whole idea of suspense, which is honestly probably the biggest thing in this entire film is that idea of suspense. And so drawing it out and making it be a very consistent pace throughout the film and then going hard at the end really added to that theme of suspense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Because the whole point is we're seeing this alien invasion from just this one family's point of view. And I feel like if we would have rushed things, we would have lost that. So being nicely slow and methodical really helped me understand Graham's mindset, Meryl's mindset, the kids' mindset, Mm -hmm. the world around them. So as things get disrupted, you're kind of like, oh, wait, that's different. Wait, what's going on there? What does that mean? And you're following along and kind of discovering things the same time this family's discovering them. And once again, it puts you into the real life aspect of this movie instead of being like, well, damn, there's aliens. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Aliens are everywhere. Invasion time. Let's go. Get your shotgun. It was like, no, we're seeing all these little tricks and all these little differences in their world. And in my head, I'm like, that could be me. I, yeah. I, I I could look outside and be like, ooh, something's different. Ooh, why is that happening? And it and helps. Once again, this is a, a film that looks at an aspect of an alien invasion in a way that's not normally looked at. So a lot of alien films deal with the invasion is the first thing. And then... And what, it's how do we recover from What it? do we do from here? So this idea of, okay, we have some alien activity... And now we're having to go through the skepticism. That we're not even sure exists. Exactly. We're going through the skepticism of, oh, no, no, no. This is just hoax. This this isn't real. To, oh, oh, this might be real. To, no, no, this is real. They're coming to attack. I mean, there they are. Yeah. Let's Um, figure out a way to end it. What's great um, that works really well with the pacing, too, is M. Night Shyamalan did a very Spielberg-Hitchcock thing where it's, Build slowly this suspense until you give us that money shot of something, right? We're talking about aliens this whole time. Little things are happening. You're getting rustling in the cornfield. You're getting a shadowy figure standing on a rooftop. You're, You're getting all these little hints that obviously something's going on. But it's 40, 50 minutes into the movie, and then bam, alien. 
And that's what works mm -hmm. because the limited use, it goes back to that whole, the rule of Jaws. Steven Spielberg couldn't show you the shark because the shark wasn't working, but it helped that movie be even better because too much shark would have been like, oh, look how fake this shark looks. I don't care. What's the point? But only getting glimpses of it, Shyamalan used that in this movie. We just get a little bit until the birthday party. Yeah. If you guys don't know the birthday party scene, it's the first time we get to see the alien in its full glory, and it's held handheld footage, this little camcorder footage of a kid's birthday party in, like, Mexico, mm -hmm. and all the kids run to the window, and they're screaming because something's out there, and we don't even see it right away. Except if you look closely, you can see it. And I'll explain that in a second. And then all of a sudden, this alien just walks across this alleyway, and the kids all lose their mind. And that's the first time we see the alien. And then we don't see another full alien until the end of the movie. We get claws, we get walking, we get legs, we get... But we don't see another full alien, and that really built that suspense for me. Well, that probably is also done and helps the movie kind of hold up a little bit for me, is that because we don't see this alien, who I believe was done CGI, and you can correct me if yes. I'm wrong, CGI... It doesn't look the best, honestly. Um, but that's because it was done in 2002. So to help the movie kind of hold up a little bit more, the less you show of that kind of CGI, the less it's going to date you. Well, again, it's just like Jaws, where you show this big rubber shark that can't really move its mouth, it's going to look fake. Yeah. But if you just have it pop up out of the water real quick, scare the crap out of everybody, and go away, we're not going to be able to process that it doesn't look the best. And that's what Shyamalan did with these aliens, um, next fun fact, the aliens are portrayed by men. You know, they, they shot a big burly man walking and used that for the concept for the aliens. But originally, that's not what Shyamalan wanted. He wanted a much more sleek, fast-looking alien. And so he actually hired a bunch of females to come in and portray these aliens, get movements down. He actually shot the whole movie and inserted the females in CGI, the aliens... But then he didn't feel like they had enough menace menace to them. Yeah. So he had to go back and replace certain parts with a male figure. So the alien standing on the roof, male figure. The alien that walks across the alleyway, male figure. The leg that we see in the cornfield, female. Mm -hmm. You can kind of pick and out which ones are the female stand-in for the alien, which one's the male, where they kind of use that. Um, but I think that's interesting because most people would think, alien, get a big, massive guy who they're terrifying, they're whatever. And Shyamalan wanted to go the opposite way and use females, and he did use them for certain aspects of the film, unless it's like, at the end, the alien's holding the little kid, and you're like, we need a big, burly man. But you can also see that he took that big, burly man and kind of slimmed it down and feminized it slightly with its movements. Yeah. So it's a really weird mix what's going on, which adds this nice alien quality to the alien. <laughs> I mean, that's honestly really smart of having a more, like, almost androgynous creature to be your alien. Right, because we don't know if aliens move in a certain way or how they're aliens. We have no idea. We also don't know if they up. have a gender. So. Yeah, we, we're just making it up. So Shambalon being like... We're just going to mix some stuff together. It's fantastic. Yeah. Makes them definitely unique. But it was also just the use of the aliens work, too. I think too much alien would have ruined the movie. I think we got just enough. The only time I think maybe we got too much alien 
was at the end. But that was the big climactic fight of, like, resolution. Here we go. We got to fight this alien. So I think we got a little too much there, but it was earned by that point. Yeah, having him hold the kid for, like, a solid minute and a half was just too much. Yeah, and with like, better... Like, do, do what you're going to do, alien. With better stop. CGI, maybe <laughs> maybe it wouldn't have been as off-putting. But for the times, you know, it, it kind of worked. So that's that's where I think it loses me on the alien part is just that huge moment right there when they had such great build, which is why it doesn't bother me too much. Mm-hmm. I understand that, like, it could have been better, but they kind of earned my respect by that point. My understanding, my support to be like, no, nah, it's fine. Do what you got to do because I'm good with what's happened. Yeah. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about, too, was the camera work. Because, you know, there's a lot of times that I'm watching a movie where I fully understand I'm watching a movie. Camera's doing weird things. It's flying 40 feet in the air, and it's whipping in really fast, and it's circling the characters. And, you know, you get that wonderful shot in, you know, Marvel's The Avengers from 2012 where they're all standing in a circle and the camera's whipping around them. And you're like, clearly this is a camera. In this movie, though, the, the camera work, the slow move-ins, the, the walking with the characters, the methodical movements, it almost felt like we were there with them and not a camera. What do yeah. you think? I agree, although I have one little bit that I absolutely hated about this film with the, uh, the camera shots, um, was that they, they love to cut away from the action. So it'll be... Um, you know, Morgan is struggling to breathe and his dad is holding him like, just breathe, just breathe. And then we get like a 30 second long just shot of just uh, Meryl and Bo. Yeah, well, they're not even... Well, now you're talking about editing. Understandable. The camera's fine there. The, yeah, the camera movements are good. It's just what they chose to show on camera during certain parts was just like, what are you doing? Like, did you lose that footage? I guess I'm, I'm mixing editing and camera, but they... We can talk about editing next. I'm fine with that. (laughs) Because I actually really like the editing in this film. I think what you're talking about is, you know, and I'm going to keep relating this to Jaws only because Jaws was such a big influence on this movie for M. Night Shyamalan. He said it in a bunch of interviews how that was a movie he wanted to emulate with the way that he approached this is, yeah, you get it. The kid's breathing, blah, blah, blah. And he cuts away from it because that current moment I don't think is what was important. It wasn't important what was happening between Graham and Morgan. What was important was the family as a whole. So we're seeing the other's reaction to what's happening so that we can be put into their shoes of we feel what they feel. Understandable. Like, it's great to have reaction shots. Just for me, it held those shots too long. So I felt taken out of what was happening in that moment because I'm like, oh, what am I supposed to be looking at here that is so interesting that I don't need to be looking at this kid almost dying, you know? Yeah. It's That was what I had a major issue with where we wouldn't stay focused on one thing that seemed to be what was actually the action, what we should be focusing on. We would cut away for too long. And I admit... Cutting away, very important. You want to show that this is a one solid unit of a family, great. You just have to be more cognizant of what people want to be seeing in that moment, I guess. That's fair. Um, For me, on the other hand, it was very much needed because I get it. 
the kids having trouble breathing if he if we cut away from the kid obviously the kid's gonna survive um i don't think we'd kill the kid anyway so i never really like thought something was gonna happen with something that simple so cutting away made sense to me because it was hey remember you're not a camera you're part of the family so you would actually be over with them but looking at the kid though but not always i mean there's tons of times in my own real world here that something's happening and i'm more looking and being with the people that are outside of the experience because we're kind of discussing and going through what's happening at that time and I think that's maybe what he was going for. I can't speak to him. I'm not yeah. him. I don't know what he was thinking. But that's the way I saw it. See, when I get a shot like that, I'm expecting it to be like Meryl deciding, screw this, I have to go get his inhaler. So the fact that there was no real, like, I mean, he could go fight an alien? Yeah. Maybe. But we, but we weren't there. That's not That's not the kind so, of family we were. I'm just saying that there being no quote-unquote payoff to that shot in my mind was just what drew me out of that moment. Cause I was just like, I don't, I don't know what, what am I supposed to be seeing here? Why am I looking at this and not what's Understandable. happening? I think there, there wasn't as many moments like that as maybe you remember. No, there's only a couple of them, but it happens overall, more often towards the end of the film. Yeah. Cause overall, I think the editing actually worked really well for this film. Um, I think to the part where Graham, goes into another person's house because he has one of the aliens locked in his pantry and that entire sequence right there the camera angles the editing to graham cutting off these alien fingers was so good and oh yeah and focused and you're like oh i'm in what is happening and honestly for me one of the hardest things to portray is that idea of suspense it is so easy to break it is so easy to lose people and most of the film kept that suspense 100%. So it was just those parts more towards the end of the film for me that was just like, I feel like you lost some footage that you couldn't use and you had to fill it or something off I mean, in my mind. because this is back before movies were shot digitally. Yeah. All digitally anyway. There were some. So it's very possible that maybe there just wasn't a shot that was usable, so they had to use what they could to portray what was happening. So that that's just what came across in my mind, so I got taken out a little bit by that, but going back to the camera work, I thought it was wonderful. I thought a lot of the shots were wonderfully done. The um, usage of the different types of shots really kept you engaged. I, I really enjoyed all of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Another aspect of this movie that I found very interesting that I want to get your opinion on was the use of family togetherness. So if you pay attention throughout the entire movie, most of the big events happen when the family's together. And that's really portrayed with the baby monitor. Morgan's carrying around this baby monitor, trying to get this this transmission, trying to hear what's going on. And the only two times that it's clear is when the family is connected. And I mean physically connected. The first time, Graham and Meryl are holding it while they're they're arguing o- over the car and they're trying to hand it off and you get a little bit clearer of a signal. Then Morgan climbs up on the car and says, oh, we have to go higher to get a better signal. So he grabs it and he holds it up a little bit. Well, it's a kid on a car. So Meryl immediately grabs him to be like, hey, you have to be safe. 
Bo tries to go climb onto the car, which is one of the funniest moments for me <laughs> because Mel Gibson's character is like, no, we don't want you climbing out of the car, but she just goes anyway because she's a kid. So he jumps on the hood and like grabs her Literally to make jumps. sure she's safe. It was funny. And it's such like, that's such a real moment for me. Um, I love that moment. But he grabs her. She struggles a little bit, climbs over him, grabs Meryl, and they're all connected physically. And all of a sudden, the baby monitor's clear. 100% clear, you can hear it. And they get this little great little moment. Then, they're all having this family dinner because they, it's the end of the world. They have no idea what's happening, how anything's going to change. And so they're having this weird family dinner where everybody's eating the one thing they want to eat. Morgan's eating French toast and mashed potatoes. Sounds amazing, actually. Sure, like, <laughs> we'll try it. Um, so they're having this weird family dinner, and they start arguing... And Graham gets really upset and he yells at Bo who starts crying. And then Graham starts crying himself because he's thinking about his wife. He's thinking about his kids. He's, he's getting over overwhelmed. So Morgan comes over and hugs him. He grabs Bo and hugs. And then he reaches out and grabs Mar Meryl and forces Meryl into the family hug too. And as they're all hugging, guess what happens? The baby monitor becomes crystal clear again. And then when they're all in the basement together, that's when the aliens are in the house. It's whenever the family is together and connected, big events happen. And that's just, again, a wonderful motif that you maybe don't notice the first time through. I mean, that's honestly probably why he wanted to make it such a tight family unit idea of this. We're only following this little family unit and things are always clearer when your family is together. I think that's really what he was trying to go for in that moment. Those moments, I should say. Yes. Um, so it... I didn't put it together fully until you just said it, but... But it, it makes sense. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And now you can think back into the movie and go, oh my God, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. Because the only time they get any sort of alien activity or any sort of big moment without the family being together is when Graham cuts off the alien's fingers in his neighbor's pantry. But I think that was more just set up for the future event yeah. than it was anything else. So, very interesting motif there. One of the things I want to talk about as well is, what do you think about the flashbacks? So, obviously, Graham's wife isn't with them, and we get slow hints. Like, the dog is acting funny, and they're going to take it to the vet, and Graham says, no, we're not taking it to him. Or, you know, something like that. Yeah. It's not verbatim, but he, you're like, oh, why does he hate the vet so much? And then slowly you get his backstory of what happened to his wife. Do you like that they kind of played it out throughout the movie and we got little glimpses of it? Or do you think it would have been better if it was kind of more front-loaded? I enjoyed it better being um, spread out just because we were seeing Graham's uh, growth through that and being able to kind of deal with it. Because at the beginning, he's very much so like, I'm ignoring everything about it. Like, that never happened. Don't call me father. I'm not a father. And it's his growth throughout the film that lets him be able to kind of like look back on that moment and be like, okay, this is what that meant. This is where it is. And him coming back to the idea of belief in, you know, even everything else that's going on, like belief in God it's leading up to that final moment of being able to hear what his wife had to say to him and kind of actually understanding what it meant in that final moment. So yeah. I think it was definitely necessary to go throughout the film little bit by bit by bit 
to see to kind of aid his growth throughout the film agreed i i think it was very well well done normally i don't like when they kind of spread out flashbacks throughout a movie i'm like just kind of loop it all into one thing lump it together give it to me so that i can see what's going on but i think this one really helped further that character throughout the film that getting it all up front it would have been like well why isn't he just moving on already why isn't this happening why isn't but we get these little moments that i do think it really helped and it's just another interesting part of the movie that i enjoyed one of the things i did not enjoy about this movie was there was a lot of extra and again it goes to the idea of like this is the real world and we're living with this family and watching them but there was a lot of stuff that i just could have done without so we get like meryl going to looks like army recruitment but there's some marine stuff there as well so i'm not sure what branch of the military yeah uh, but he goes to enlist he goes to get information about enlisting now we do get a very pertinent information here this is where we find out that he has these home runs but he also has the strikeout record so we get a big piece of his character there but it was too much and too long when that's almost at the height of what's happening yeah that could have really been done at the beginning of the movie to kind of set up his character a little bit more because we didn't really know why he was with that family i mean obviously to help out the fa- uh the father but i i could have used it a lot earlier in the film to kind of get his motivations Same. and how he was like and in a condensed version we just kind of needed it quick of just, hey, he was great in the minor leagues. He has a bunch of home run things. Oh, but he also struck out a bunch. Ooh, yeah, he's an up and down kind of person. That could have honestly been done at, like, the pharmacy that Graham goes to. Like, it didn't need to necessarily be at this army office. Be its, its own scene, and it didn't need yeah. to take five minutes. It was five minutes too long. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the other only other big thing that comes out of that scene is the idea of the, the probing um military uh strategy and that's pretty much exactly what the aliens are doing yeah so that also came out of that scene but once again you you can just condense it but how how much did that really help us that it it didn't give us anything that we might have not already known yeah i think it was more just like a a wink wink nudge nudge kind of thing like "Uh aha this is what the aliens are doing with the cop um i don't remember her name right now it was like polsky polsky something like that officer polsky um, anything to do with her, I get it. They're trying to make it as grounded as possible, but do you understand that this is entertainment value and them sitting at a dinner table while she's asking them questions of, so you saw a shadowy figure in your cornfield and you think it's Joe Dirt and his kids. Okay, tell me about it. And that's like a 10 minute scene we just didn't need. It didn't further the story. It made them look crazy when I don't think that was the intent I mean, that's the whole idea of, like, anyone who reports these kind of things looks crazy at the beginning. And it's the whole idea of, well, you didn't believe them. But then again, they didn't believe themselves. They were just like, right, like this we is already what we knew saw. that they were a little uncertain of what they saw. We didn't need the officer also belittling them and saying, okay, well, you know, normally we don't look into something if we don't know what's actually going on. Because so. it could be a man or it can be a woman, which I'm yeah. now thinking is like a kind of a... Maybe wi- a, a wink, wi- wink, nudge, nudge of... Of like, in uh-huh, that whole, I use men and women to make these Yeah, aliens. in that whole scene, Meryl says it's a man standing on the roof and the 
or running around the house and the officer says well could it have been a woman and he says no because i'm fast and i'm strong and i couldn't have done that and she starts going on this long rant about like well there's olympic athletes who could do this and that and everything so and he has to then begrudgingly say well it could have been a woman i don't know you know yeah it is a very just out of place scene so maybe it was a nudge nudge thing and that's why it was in there but it, it little it scenes like this throughout to just, be. just dragged um when graham eventually confronts the vet about all the events leading up to where we're currently at in the movie it's again a nice it's a nice moment, but it's so drawn out where it was just like, let's go. We, we kind of understand the concept already. Can we just hurry along and get back to the actual main story? Because this side quest is boring. Yeah, it definitely had a lot of those, but that kind of added to the whole idea of the suspense. Because it's this very realistic, grounded in reality uh, scene of an alien invasion you kind of have those moments that you're expecting, like going to the police because you saw this weird creature. Like, that's going to happen. Did it need to be that long of a scene? No. We saw that his, you know, throughout the film, we saw that his wife had gotten hurt. It was part of his arc to have to confront the guy who killed her. Yeah. So Um. these were all scenes, like, I think they were more necessary. They just didn't need to be as long. But that also added to that whole well, drawing out of the it's film. It's fine if you want to put it in there, but when you get a seven-minute scene that could have been two, you're just, you've lost me at that point. If I get all the information in the first two minutes of a scene, and then the scene continues to go on for another five minutes, I don't see the point of that. It's like writing a college essay, and it has to be ten pages, and you can get to eight and then you just go back and you throw in, the dog ran fast because the dog was super fast. So how did the dog run? It ran fast. That's just filler. It yeah. doesn't add anything to the story. And I get you're trying to reach a certain time, but you could have added in more family dynamics instead of these weird outlying scenes. Fun fact about the vet who is played by M. Night Shyamalan. If you guys don't know, M. Night Shyamalan always plays a character in all of his movies. He shows up as some minor character um he's not a very good actor but hey man if you want to be in your movies go be in your movies yeah if, if that's what you like to do go for it is that the fun fact no it's not the fun <laughs> fact the fun fact is actually leading up to the day of filming this scene where graham and the the vet talk to each other while the vet's sitting in his truck mel gibson just thought an actor hadn't been cast yet he had no idea who this actor was going to be until M. Night Shyamalan sat in the truck and said, action. <laughs> and Mel Gibson literally in that moment went, okay, yes, you're the other actor. And they played the scene. But I think it also, that why that's such a fun fact for me is not only is that just funny, because one, you should probably tell your actors who they're acting with so they can work on things and understand what's going to happen. But I think it added to that moment because they are supposed to be disconnected Graham is supposed to be upset with the vet, and the vet is supposed to be upset with himself, and they're supposed to be disconnected. So not knowing who the actor was going to be and being thrown off in that moment might have actually helped it. It might have, but, you know, it could have also been better with an actual actor in that yeah, scene. Absolutely, you would have got more emotion out of it. Yeah, and being able to kind of coordinate what you're going to do, because that, that should be a more emotional scene than it ended up kind of being. Yes. So I think it kind of gypped us of what should have been a more 
uh, emotional and weighted scene than it was. That really adds to what's going to come next. And adds to the character yes. Graham. Like, so, this is his big, like, thing that he has not been able to get over forever. And this is how we resolve it? Okay. So we're going to go into a little bit spoiler territory next. Um, if you've ever listened to any of other other episodes, we don't really mention that we're going to talk about spoilers. Going forward, we're going to whenever it's something big plot point wise. So this is your spoiler warning. Um, you've been warned. You've been warned, but it's a 20 year old movie. So we're hoping that you've seen it. The <laughs> Unless main, you're me, because I had the not main seen it. thing I did not like about this movie was the aliens invading our planet and what their weakness was. And this is what everybody's gripe about this movie really is. Yeah. <laughs> it's water. It's water. And you and I get, come to a planet that's like 70% water. And I get that. Maybe they didn't know. Maybe they were in a rush. Maybe their home planet was being destroyed and they just needed to go. Maybe. We don't know what their reasoning was for coming here. But really, water, out of all the things that we they could have been weakened too it's water and it are they the wicked witch of the west like do they not pay enough attention to the planets right they like came down and they're ecosystem? like cool. like what's all this blue stuff oh that's that stuff we're weak to we'll go to the next one what's this stuff falling from the sky oh it's more stuff that we're right, weak could you to? imagine if it rained one of the days they were there they're all dead yeah like they did not really think that through but i guess they needed it to have some sort of like easy weakness well, for the family to de- defeat them and but that's like, why the, the kid didn't like the water and kept leaving glasses around because it was going to add to the finale of the movie so why else have that quirk with this character if it wasn't going to serve a purpose but water just it pisses me off so much like it's one of the reasons i don't really care about this movie the first time i saw it i was like dumb I honestly thought it was just going to be, like, they're hydrophobic. They just don't like it. Like, something about it just doesn't like but, it. But like, the it fact that it burns, burns them. them. Yeah, it burns them. It is such so, a bad... At the end of the movie, one of the aliens, it's actually the alien that Graham cut fingers off of, is in their house. By this point, the the government has discovered that water is their weakness, and they've kind of fought them back, and the majority of the aliens have left the planet. But they say they've left behind a few. There's some stragglers. They left them behind. Yeah, whatever. If they got injured, they were left. Yeah, they were just left. Or if they couldn't get back in time, they just left them. So this alien's clearly left. And it breaks into the Hess house. And it's trying to kidnap Morgan. It, like, knocks him out or whatever. And it's, like, standing in their living room holding him. And everybody's freaking out. And Graham looks at Meryl. And his baseball bat's on the wall from when he hit a big home run. And he says, hey, swing away. So Meryl grabs this bat and just like goes to town on this alien who does not fight back at all. He's yeah. hitting him with a baseball bat and he doesn't move. He just takes hits. He doesn't swing his arms to fight. He does nothing. What? How are these aliens ever going to take? Were they going to scare us all to death so they could take over the planet? Like, well, I don't understand what they were doing. One of the things that they did do, and they did it to the boy, was they released a poisonous gas. Sure, but this dude's hitting you with a bat. Pretty sure that's the time to use a poisonous gas. Not this kid who's already knocked out from being asthmatic. Yeah. I did not quite understand that. I mean, it doesn't help that, like, one of the few hits that he got and was when he knocked well, into the water. Well, he knocks he knocks over the alien with the baseball bag who falls into, like, a dresser or a bookshelf or something. And one of the kid's glass of water tips over and spills all over this alien. And the alien's like, oh, no, I'm burning. Ah. 
And you're like, oh my god, they're allergic to water. And then Meryl's like, cool, let's kill him with water. And he starts beating him up with the bat some more. Go get a bucket of water. Well, no, he starts using the bat to knock glasses of water. Dude, you're spraying droplets of water. Yeah. Go get a bucket of water. Go get a barrel of water. Go get the garden hose. <laughs> like, I don't... If you're gonna make water its weakness, but then you don't even beat it with water at the end, sure, we get this wonderful camera shot. It's one of my favorite shots because it, it's so in that mindset. The alien falls over, glass of water falls, and all the water's falling onto the camera, almost like we're seeing through the alien's eyes. Like, that's supposed to be the we beat the alien moment? Because it's dumb. Yeah. It's so dumb. It was so anticlimactic, but what else were you going to have its weakness be that this one family could, like, destroy this guy? Anything else that could be in your household that is not 70% of our planet. Flour. Have a big flour. They gotta go get a big bag of flour and How would they figure out that it was flour? How did they figure out it was water? Some water fell on Accident. Yeah. You could accidentally drop flour on him. You, it could have been anything else. It could have been a board with a nail in it. I don't care. Water is weak and water is stupid. Yeah. What a terrible way to fight these aliens. What I thought was terrible was the fact that the kid was saved because he has asthma. Okay, and his so lungs were closed. I wanted to get into that too, but you're, and you're jumping ahead, so let's just go into it. So the alien's holding this kid, and he's got this little, like, straw tube coming out of his wrist, and he's going to spray this kid with a mist. And as Meryl's coming at him, he does. He sprays this kid. He's a little phew, yep. cloud. So Graham runs over, picks up Morgan. They run outside, and he's freaking out and everything. Meryl beats up the alien. I think the alien's dead. We see it laying on the ground in a in a TV reflection, but I have no idea if it's actually dead or just knocked out. No he, idea. He doesn't tell us, so who knows? Maybe the next day that alien wakes up and kills everybody. We have no idea. <laughs> but they run outside, and Meryl's like, is he okay? Is he okay? And Graham's like, yeah, he's fine. Luckily, he has asthma because his lungs were closed. I'm sorry, what? Yep. Your lungs are closed. You're dead. The poison didn't get in because the lungs were closed. Yeah, so he wasn't poisoned. You're dead. If your lungs are closed, you're not breathing. And as an asthmatic, if he hasn't been breathing for the last four minutes, he's probably dead. Yeah, that made that made me just like kind of put this my head movie in built up so <laughs> so much goodwill, and I remember why the first time I ever watched this movie, I didn't care for it because it builds up so much goodwill with the way it goes, but then it pulls the ultimate Shyamalan where it falls apart in the third act, and the ending is atrocious. I don't know if he completely ran out of ideas. I don't know what he was thinking, but everything he did at the end was bad. It didn't make sense for some of the characters. It dumb. Dumb. I hate the ending so much. I couldn't tell. <laughs> it yeah. That that ending was just terrible. Like I don't do you not understand the way the world like I get it. If they were in a rush to leave their home planet, they would need to find the closest. If we were the closest inhabited planet that they could invade, great. They'd have to deal with the water. They could stay away from it. Just don't go near the ocean. But did they... Research, man. We rain. Everywhere. There's rain at some point, except for, like, deserts. So if they invaded deserts, that makes perfect sense. Invading frickin' Pennsylvania, where it rains? What are you doing? But then again, we didn't see any of the other uh, 
invasion, so we don't know if, like, they were actually going after any infrastructure, because they could just stay inside when it rained. Sure, they could. But the weirdest part is, like, when Graham goes to visit the vet who killed his wife, which I didn't want to touch upon before, because that's a big, major plot point in this movie. I was trying to dance around it. You just ended up blurting it out. Um, But when he goes to visit him, the vet's like, yeah, did you notice that they don't go near water? Yeah, it was really so, in your face. I'm going to go to a lake house. And Graham's like, maybe we should all go to a lake house because that's how we'll be safe. First of all, sure, go to a lake house. I don't know why the rest of the family's like, we should stay here. Y'all going to die. Well, because they don't actually know if that's true Who or cares? not. It's worth a shot. Why not be in a place where you can defend? Although their use of de- defending was terrible, too. But So... I get it, they're, like, going to land areas not near water, but, like, it still rains everywhere. They're in Mexico. Mexico gets rain. They show They're India in America. Yeah. It's gonna get rain. They're in India. I'm sure they get rain. Like, a quick Google search, and Google existed in 2002, so you could use it. These advanced aliens who traveled across light years to get to us don't know that it rains here and that they're, they're gonna die. They have, like, force field technology and stuff, but they don't have personal force field technology to stop the rain from getting them, and they don't fight back when somebody's beating them with a baseball bat. They just stand there and take it. Probably why they were defeated in a day. Yeah, it was so anticlimactic. You get this great suspense of this alien invasion, and then randomly the TV's just like, we beat them, they left, we're the best. Yeah, that's not what was super important about this film. But that's what they were leading to. We were leading to how the family deals with it. So all the aliens just leave and they get the weakest little weak alien (laughs) who's like, oh my God, hit me with a baseball bat because I'm not going to do anything. Spill a glass of water on me. Dumb. I'm going to spray poison in this little boy whose lungs are closed. Yeah. Stupid ending. Very. I'm not disagreeing with that. So, all right. Spoiler rant over uh (laughs) final judgments go first i am so wishy-washy on this film because of those little bits that i i didn't like and the lackluster ending but i still think it holds up simply on this the fact of the uh growth of suspense and joaquin phoenix (laughs) um watching it just for that only i think it holds up I think it showed the idea of a close-knit family going through this crazy thing together very well. And I, I think it holds up. I'm going to agree with you. Um, I don't want to agree with you. Same. <laughs> I want to just say this movie doesn't hold up. But for the first three-fourths of the movie, I'm invested. I want to see what's going on. I want to be a part of this family. I want them to succeed. I want them to live and thrive and survive. Yeah. And it's really just the ending completely falls apart for me. So much so that I'm like, I never want to watch this movie again. But the more maybe I forget about the ending, I want to watch it again. Yeah. And I'm hoping that, you know, other people could could see it differently. Who knows? So I'm going to have to say... Signs holds up. At least the beginning it's, of it. <laughs> it's, it is worth watching in 2022 and beyond simply because 
it is one of the most suspenseful movies that is horror-based. I guess it's a horror movie, mm-hmm. but it's so suspenseful throughout three-fourths of it that, yes, the ending's dumb, but you are in- connected so much with these characters that it's worth sitting through. So, I agree. There you have it, guys. Signs does hold up. If you've never seen it, definitely go check it out. If you have TikTok, you can follow us at does it hold up underscore between each word. We just drop different fun facts over there from the upcoming for the movie that's going to be coming out uh, on Friday. In the meantime, guys, keep watching movies. Bye.